Welcome to Core Values, everyone tuning in. My name is Tara Thompson, and I'm the Chief Communications Officer for Broken Arrow Public Schools. I'm pinch hitting today for Greg Spencer, who's normally your host and a little under the weather today, but I feel like I'm in good hands with two regulars on the podcast here. We've got Superintendent Chuck Perry. How are you today, sir? I'm wonderful. You got all your Christmas shopping done? Not yet. No, not close. close. And then on my side of the table over here is Brandon Chitty, the Director of Instructional Technology, but we often call him, I've heard Mad Scientist, I've heard Renaissance Man, it's a little bit of everything. Brandon, welcome. Man, I don't know if I can live up from that, but um, I'll take it. <laughs> well, we're, we're here today to talk about the virtual programming uh, in Broken Arrow Public Schools, but before we do that, Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey through the school system, because I think you've not always been in this role, am I correct? No, I, I think I counted at one point um, since I've been out of the classroom. I think it's been five different roles or titles um, that I've had. So it's been a journey for sure. Okay. And what's your role now? So uh, currently I oversee all the instructional technology. So the best way to explain this is anything that touches teaching and learning our students and our teachers, um, that's technology. Uh, That's something that we support. And basically we're in support of the the teachers and their success with those tools. Okay. Go back and talk a little bit about what you taught. You were district teacher of the year. and I always bring up old news. Look at Chuck. (laughs) Setting up a softball for me. I'll take it. That's right. Great (laughs) teacher. Yeah. Well, I'm actually an alumni, too. So I graduated from Broken Arrow in 2002. Um, And so, uh, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that point. And I started substitute teaching. And I had that aha moment with a student that was like, I've never been able to understand this. And I think as a kid, I struggled in school, too. So I think those sometimes make the best teachers. And I was able to connect there. And uh you know, Amy Fitchner over at Centennial Middle School hired me, um, and uh, it's been a journey ever since. Spent uh, seven, seven or eight years in the classroom, um, and in 2012, like Chuck said, I was honored to uh, be named the District Teacher of the Year, which was uh, pretty amazing. And you know, I kind of had that, uh, you know, that first paperless classroom and really saw the value um, of, you know, future readiness um, with students and where that kind of was going. And so um, I was kind of pulled out into some different roles to start kind of shaping that for the district and have been trusted to do a lot of uh, really neat things. And um, and it's been an, an amazing journey. All right. Well, let's let's rewind a little bit here, because I know everybody probably thinks that virtual is, you know, a new trend that happened because of COVID. But I think it's been around in Broken Arrow for a little while. So what did it look like pre-COVID? What did virtual education look like in our district before COVID happened? Yeah. So, um, you know, I wasn't involved in the very beginning uh, when, when it started happening. But I think if you look at our district, we always try to find ways to support students and children and their learning and and finding different pathways. I mean, if you look at our current programming, it's all about students and their pathways and opportunities to get students to graduate and be successful in their next step. And so um, the virtual academy was there to help our students that might have been, you know, somewhat credit deficient to catch up on credits or, um, you know, it really served our upper uh, students, um, 9th through 12th grade, um, and then the enrollment for 11th and 12th grade were, were really high. And so uh, it, it served as, uh, as just a way to really support those students that needed to have a different learning environment, but it really was focused on those higher level students. Talk a little bit about, uh, I think in a lot of people's mind, virtual is um, a student never leaving their bedroom or their home and they're just on the computer all the time. Um, you put some things in place to make it uh, more interactive also with others and getting the students up at school too and uh, 
Talk about that. Yeah. So I'll go a couple steps back. So, you know, when I came into the program, it was it was right at the end of the COVID uh, pandemic. And um, I think everybody being in the space and being in the consortiums and talking to dis- different districts around the country, um, everybody suffered there, right? So that was, I don't think anybody can say that they did virtual in the best way for students during that time. They were forced into it. Parents didn't have education around it. Students didn't have the right tools to be successful. Teachers didn't have the right tools to be successful to deliver those things. But it was that learn by trial by fire, right? Yeah. So um, everybody learned so much from that situation. And so when I came into it, I got to see where the gaps kind of were. I had that background of instructional technology and and how the systems are meant to make things easier to learn, make things uh, more available for students. And so we were able to really come in and look at those things. And, and one thing that was very uh, apparent is virtual cannot be virtual. I mean, virtual is not meant to hide kids. We're not going to let, uh, you know, students uh, fail off, the, you know, behind the scenes. We're going to be connected with them. We're going to connect with families. We're going to make sure that they're successful. And so uh, coming into the program, we wanted to make it visible for the students. And so with support of our leadership and our board, we were able to, um, you know, build out some classrooms that are very comfortable. Our classrooms do not look like, um, you know, a traditional uh, classroom. They're very, uh, you know, fluid seating um, and comfortable. We have snacks and drinks for kids when they come in um, to make it something that they want to do. Um, we offer it uh, that time and space for our students every single day. Um, the ones that might have been identified for struggling uh, for one reason or another, they're, they're required to come up um, and see us um, a certain amount of time a week. Um, and so, yes, we've really connected. We've really connected with that expectation and our families to make sure, and we're still finding ways. I mean, I still believe that the, the program is still in its infancy stages. Um, I think school's going to look very different in decades to come. And, um, you know, predicting that exactly would be almost impossible, but, you know, taking these steps to um, be creative and find ways that, that fit our, our new clientele. I mean, our, our families, right. That those are the people we serve and they look different. Our families look different. They're, they're, they're working from home, you know, they're wanting to be more connected, um, you know, and so this is a program that we're seeing, we're seeing the right kids, the right families come in and discover it. And we're just really working hard to tell the story um, about what it is and what it can be for, for our families. I I was an assistant principal back in 2005, as you're talking, I was thinking about this and that's when some virtual classes, they were more canned were available to students and at the high school that I was at, we started dabbling in that. A lot of students jumped on it thinking it was going to be easier. And there was quite a high failure rate because of the lack of uh, time management skills that it takes to be successful in those courses. Uh, talk about the type of students and, and what you need to be a successful virtual student. Well, thanks. Thanks for that question, because soft skills are super important, right? Um, You know, sometimes a student that struggles um, and and parents might, you know, see a struggle of getting up and getting to school or behavior at school. They're like, okay, let's take virtual, right? They're running from one problem. And a lot of times it creates another one. If there's not that kind of support or that kind of drive in that student to be successful. And I will combat that, that our, our teachers are very available. I mean, we have direct phone call lines to them. We have a program um, that we've set up um, when I came in called the success um 
champion. So every uh, teacher is a success champion for a pocket of students, ones that they're responsible for their overall academic success, soft skills, hard skills, those types of things. They uh, they, they create success plans, uh, immediate plans, long-term goal plans, and um, they have a small pocket of kids that they focus on. They have other kids too in their courses, but these kids they actually focus on. So we're able to take some students and really support them and because we can't expect our students to come in and know how to be that. And, you know, and we want to make this an option that all students can try. So I don't want to filter out the ones. Oh, I think from your history, you can't do it. We, we believe that every student should get a chance to try, try out virtual as long as there's a somebody at home, depending on their age level, that, that is going to be kind of their, their learning coach that can, can really help make those connections. Um, But, you know, the students that we see, most successful is a lot of the same students that we see successful in a building. I mean, they have uh, home support for their learning. Um, they have a, a, a purposeful place to learn at home. It's not their bed. It's not the kitchen. Um, and they're very specific about uh, their schedule. So they they wake up at a certain time. They work on certain things at, at, at any given time. And so those types of students, um, you know, are. And, you know, we always say this thing you hear tagged and they try to make this sound really neat is uh, virtual is anytime, any place, any um, pace, right? So that pace indicator says, okay, well, you can do it at any any pace. Well, what we have found is that uh, when you be that flexible, students wait till the very last minute, right? <laughs> no, that never happens. Yeah. Oh. And then they have, uh, you know, December to finish six coursework, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that becomes very difficult. And so we've had to find ways to, to tack those uh, students, see where they are, set pacing guides for them, have those indicators to communicate to parents, say, hey, they're not on pace. This is the pace that we need to make sure is happening and they're not there. And so we have a lot of things, I guess is what I'm saying, in place to help students um, find their way in this virtual space, help parents find their way in this virtual space, because that's that's one of the biggest things that is as hard for us in our program is they don't really know what it is when they come in. We have a whole virtual orientation. We do our best in uh, meeting with families that want to come over and, and talk about those things. But a lot of it's learning as you're doing and, and offering the supports that we do, I believe, helps our students be successful. So what does it look like to have uh, virtual education at the elementary level? I think most of us, you know, as adults or, uh, you know, secondary students, it's easy to imagine how to take an online class. But if you're a, a kindergartner or the parent of a kindergartner or first grader, what does that look like, Brandon? Well, I don't know if you saw my face, but uh, I lit up when you yes, asked me that. Grinning, because yes, yeah. I, I think it's the thing I'm most proud of. I mean, our elementary program right now, uh, it, when you look around the state, um, most of them have closed down. Um, because honestly, those age students should be with kids, you know, and connecting with a teacher. And I would have argued that as well. But I'll tell you right now, if I had the opportunity, my kids, I could see my kids in that elementary program. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, our teachers in the elementary program, uh, last year we had a box curriculum. It put kids in front of a computer for far too long. And uh, this year, uh, with the support of our leadership again, we were able to take three teachers that teach two grade levels each. And they're synchronously live teaching our students twice a day. Uh, they're connecting individually with the students. Each one of those teachers knows each family um, personally um, in, a, in a way that is almost impossible in a brick and mortar. They're getting a different kind of support. We have our elementary kids up in our sites every every week. I mean, we do PE on Fridays. Um, we do park hops during the spring and the fall. That's and fun. Um, uh, we go on more um 
field trips than I think any program does. Um, and so those kids are up there every day. It's something that lights me up. I, you know, get to go in there and see them. And, and I'll just tell you, you walk into that elementary room and, and they're in their offices with their technology doing these live sessions. And, and as an educator, you can just sit in the middle and listen and have your cup filled. It takes two minutes and, and then you're like, dude, we're doing the right thing. So it does look different. It does require home support, probably more than the secondary space. A parent has to be connected. But, you know, I don't think homeschool could look better. Um, you know, we have a lot of families that struggle through homeschool with, uh, you know, finding content, finding sequence, you know, having the support. And, you know, you can be a BA tiger and have all the supports of, um, you know, a, a school, but then still can, you know, have your kids at home with you and, and meet the needs of those homeschool families. And so we're really just trying to tell the story of what we're doing to see if we can have some reflection on family say that that might be something that would work great for for my family and chuck as part of the leadership team why why the emphasis on virtual like why not just shift back to brick and mortar after covid why did you you know feel that there was a value in sticking with and even expanding the virtual options i think like everything else in the world uh now people are wanting flexibility we've seen the universities now um, have a lot more flexibility in their uh, schedules and classes. They're being forced to do that. We're seeing more flexibility um, in the workforce or in the workplace um, with more remote work than ever before. And I think we'd love to meet the needs of all of our students. And I don't feel like everybody could be successful in the virtual program, but for those students that um, maybe not don't fit in our large high school with over 3,000 students in it that um, maybe need to step away from that. This gives them another uh, option. And we know we have the Options Academy there on, on the same campus. Uh, if a lot of people don't, don't know where that's at, it's at 81st and Lynn Lane in uh, Broken Arrow, um, right on the corner there. That used to be the old Haskell Middle School. Um, but I think it just, it's given options for families to, uh, find the right fit. We now have early college high school. We have Vanguard, um, options Academy, virtual Academy, and then our traditional brick and mortar high school. Um, and now down to elementary, I just think it's more we offer like that. It's going to benefit kids in the long run. That's what we're here for. Right now, get $200 from TTCU Federal Credit Union when you open a new checking account with direct deposit. What would you buy with $200? Cars, race cars, my own apartment, 100 coloring books, and a puppy. Or maybe some groceries and a tank of gas. $200 for whatever works for you from TTCU. Because life is better in balance. Recently, you've had to put your life on hold, and we're with you in this. At Ascension St. John, we're now open for appointments, and we are fully prepared for your safety in our care. As we open our doors again, our doctors, nurses, and care teams will continue to wear personal protective equipment. We've taken even more steps to clean and stringently disinfect all areas. We will maintain distancing in our waiting rooms, and will continue to limit visitors and we will still screen all staff to protect their health and yours. Our emergency rooms are here 24 seven. Please do not delay care. We're still delivering babies and performing surgeries and we're open for your appointments. 
from specialists in surgical care to routine care and health screenings. Ask us about virtual visits. Ascension St. John continues to care for you, as we have been for almost a century. Thank you for trusting us. For families who like to build their wealth while staying liquid, we have flexible rate CDs to keep your funds working hard, even when you're not. First National Bank of Broken Arrow. The right balance. I know we've talked a lot about students too, but parents have been part of this conversation. So Brandon, what do you think um, what do parents need to know if they're considering virtual? You know, they're, maybe they're new. They're getting ready to enroll their kid for the very first time. Or maybe they've got a secondary student that's struggling, you know, a little bit. What do parents need to know as they consider virtual as an option? And, and if I could ask, yeah. add on that, how do they find out about enrolling? Yeah, okay. yeah. those are great questions. <clears throat> and those are stories we're, we're working on telling. And, and, and I think with a parent, uh, you'd have to look at your, your, your kiddo, right? I mean, I have two. They're very different from each other. Um, I think that, like you said, it takes a particular type of student. Then it takes the support. So those things have to coincide uh, to be able to make this type of thing work. And if you have a, you know, a, I don't know, an 7th through 12th grader that's super independent, that's way beyond their years and maturity, then you're going to have be able to lessen the time that you're going to have to involve yourself into that. Um, no different than brick and mortar. You know, you'll have some some kids that um, that excel and, you know, you don't have to check them every week. And then you have some that you have to check and sit down with them every day. And so I think it's really knowing what you're willing to give as a parent um, into the program because our stuff is rigorous. I mean, we, you know, our content is not easy and it, it is, you know, I, I think you could say that you could do it faster in less hours than when you come to school, but, but that's because you're highly focused in what you're doing every minute of what you're doing it and in the time that you're doing it in. And so I, I think that it just all goes back to the fact that, you know, we can't think that it's easy. Um, this is not an escape to make school easier. If anything, it's probably, it, it's probably a little bit more rigorous. Um, and um, our students find success in there. And, and I would argue that they're really well prepared for the next steps in life. And so, um, you know, I think as a parent, you need to know your kiddo, you need to know what their capabilities are. And then what are, what are you willing as a parent to make up for some of the things that you might be concerned on, not doing their work form or anything like that, but those soft skills, those abilities to, to follow up, put them on a schedule and, and do those things. And so you have to ask yourself what you're willing to do. And we have some families where they have one of their students out of four that come to virtual because it works for them, right? Um, and so, like you said, it's an option. And so if it is something that you're interested in, um, it is our passion, right? That's what we've been put into this program because we believe that it's effective for kids and we believe that it's going to continue and, and increase um, our ability to support our families. And so if, if you're interested in the Broken or Virtual Academy, our email is simple. It's just virtual at baschools.org. It comes to the administration over there. And um, one thing that we want to do is be 
be really connected with our families. And so we first ask for, you know, if we're willing to have in-person meetings, even if it's just an inquiry, we'll get on the phone with you. Um, we developed a, a cool little digital story here recently on our Broken Arrow um, virtual elementary students because it's such a different program. We had to tell the story in kind of a different way. And so that's available on uh, our website under the Broken Arrow Virtual Academy. And so you can see it there. But again, we're ready to connect in person live. Uh, so don't hesitate to reach out. You've attended and even spoke at several uh, national conferences. Um, what do you see? I know you're such a lifelong learner. What do you see as some trends in virtual over the next couple of years that people are talking about? Yes. Well, and this is a big picture, right? So I, I have passion for these types of things. And so when I look 10 years down the road and something that we're, we're, we're working on currently is uh, with my success team, my digital learning specialists. I have connected uh, one of them with our uh, one of our amazing uh, instructional specialists and one of our virtual teachers, and they're actually building out um, our Oklahoma history course. Uh, we have identified that the one that's provided by the vendor, they're not Oklahomans. They they don't know that that piece, and so we we just can't. You know, we want it to be a valuable learning experience like it would be. We're not going to settle. And so um, we have all this last semester semester um, met weekly with those three uh, individuals building out our own like course through canvas. And so it is, it is, I mean, it is quality. Uh, I'm very proud of it. I would say that it's, it's probably even, you know, it's, it's to the next level than what we currently have. And so I, if you would ask me, that's where it's going. Um, you know, there's other, uh, states that are really supporting that financially building out its own local content because it's bigger picture for me, because let's say that we had an entire wet repertoire of content for all of our courses, right? And uh, we use it for virtual and that's at, you know, asynchronous learning. And I'll define that real quick. So asynchronous means that you're going through it on your own. There's nobody with you, no, no teachers teaching you live. And so those things happen in a brick and mortar. You have synchronous time, you have asynchronous time, right? So virtual mostly, especially our secondary space is mostly asynchronous. And so building out those secondary asynchronous courses for our students I see as a huge benefit, not only for our uh, secondary students, because research shows that when teachers are involved in the content, they are much more involved in the success of their students. And so having our teachers manipulate content that's even coming from our vendors or building it from scratch is just a win-win for our teachers and our students. But I even see it in the next step because we know that our teachers that are coming in right now are are struggling uh, not only with classroom management but with content. We ask them to do so much, and they're alter a lot of them are alternatively certified. You know, they're not. You know, they don't go through all the classes that we might have gone through uh, to be prepared. And Chuck, you could probably uh, uh, think about this too. Is like when I came into the classroom, I went through all those classes. I did not know what I was doing until year right. three. Right. Right. Like that. And even then, <laughs> you could have probably challenged me on that. Right. Yes, it's, 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 it is true. That is the truth. And so if you think about it, let's say that we had all this content built and, and knew it was great. And something we've been developing as we're doing this is that recipe. What is it? What, what do we have? Uh, research shows to open a lesson, to close a lesson. What's the meat inside? And, and, and so that we're building that recipe and who needs to be at the table to create this amazing content. And if we had it, just imagine how that could impact our brick and mortar classrooms with a new teacher coming in. Instead of worrying so much about becoming so solid, they become a facilitator of that content and they learn it with the students and, and become that, 
that that champion for their their students' learning, and they really focus on that classroom management and that connections with our kids without having to be this you know this high level you know historian. Well, uh, talk about that just one second as we look at uh, facing this teacher shortage um, over the next several years at at least. Um, there may be some teachers here that are listening that teach in other parts of the district, and this may be something to somebody here is outside of Broken Arrow. What type of teachers are successful in your program and what type do you like to recruit? Yeah, uh, thank you for that question. Um, <laughs> just that, keep throwing softballs yeah, to him. I thought I we were going to grill him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that's great. And, and uh, Marcy White is the uh, principal over at the Virtual Academy, and we had a, a great time um, interviewing and hiring. Uh, we hired, I think, five or six new staff members this last year. And uh, through the support of HR uh, last year, we rewrote the job description because it's not the same. I mean, we could not use the same job description as a teacher when we hired we we were able to hire a counselor this year, which is huge, right? We talk a little bit about that later if we have time, but um, we that was a specific job description. We did not use the counselor job description. When I hired Marcy, that was not the principal job description. It was a virtual job description because it's a different program. It takes different skills. And so, um, you know, you don't, and I always say this because a lot of traditional mindsets of the classroom, it's like, oh, virtual teaching is easy. They don't have the discipline. They don't, they're not creating the lesson plans, even though our elementary is, but the secondary, it's a little bit different. But take all those things away and think about the, the time it takes to connect with a student that's not in front of you, that you hold them, you know, you, you, you get them to learn and you, you learn their story and, and that communication and, and, and just, and the thing is you do so much of this, um, kind of passive grading in, in a classroom and assessment that can't happen in virtual everything that you get from a student you have to invest in and one of the biggest research indicators of um, of virtual success is timely feedback and meaningful feedback and so that is that when I first walked in there there was a lot of procedures had to be created but the one thing I told teachers is your north star is timely and effective feedback. So you, I want you to know the things that you're reading. I want the students to know that you value their assignments and what you're, they're turning in and you're giving them that, that, that work. And that's still really at the foundation. So that skill set, that communication piece, that technology piece, um, being able to run those. And, and it's, it is hard because our teachers, they have, I mean, I think the, the smallest prep for one of my teachers is eight. So that's eight different content areas. Because think about it, if you, I mean, we have about 500 students enrolled, right? And 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 that's not enough to get get a teacher per content like you can do at the right, high school, right? right? They have to they have to team through all this. So mm-hmm. being able to shift gears and know you're grading this assignment, now you have to go over to a completely different subject. You might go from you know art appreciation to your math class, and then back, and then forth. And so that's that's a skill set, right? But I. <laughs> You can teach people stuff, right? But what you can't teach is that empathy and that love for our kids. And so that's the main thing that we look at and that people can do that through technology. Connect in a deep way without them in front of you. It's harder. Yep. It's harder to do. Yep. I think Brandon can talk about this all day long. The passion just kind of jumps out of him. But I have one last softball question for you, Brandon. Tell us a success story. You don't have to use a name, but but tell us the story of a student that came to virtual that experienced some success and, and, you know, kind of what the trajectory has, has been for them. Yeah. So, um, I, well, I'll just take, uh, some of our, uh, a family 
Okay, so we have a, a family that really just struggled um, in school, uh, felt like their students, uh, you know, they're, they're not the outgoing students, so they, they you know, were kind of that reserve type. And so uh, in the classroom, didn't really connect, were, you know, uh, just kind of passive. And so the family decided to, you know, they, I think a lot of our families went virtual, they had to, right? And they were like, well, we're, we're seeing our student, our kiddos be a little bit happier because they feel more comfortable at home. And so they decided to go ahead and, and try that to stay with us. And so when they stayed with us, um, we've just heard this in like with my teachers, they're saying that these students have social skills that they've never had before because they can work with them one-on-one and really uh, build like these skills in these students. And so I actually had the mom come into me um, because I always ask for feedback. Every time I see a parent, what can we do better? What, what, cause it's a new space. Like I can't, if you think I'm sitting here thinking we got it figured out, it might sound confident. It's not okay. (laughs) I I'll tell you right now, if, if I'm still working in this uh, role and influencing this space five years from now, I hope I look back and, and think to myself, what we were doing, like there's a lot of growth that needed to happen. Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at. And so, uh, but this family came in, um, after lots of conversations and, and, and those things. And she was just like, this is amazing program. I don't, and, and really gets gave me a lot of confidence that we're doing the things that are right by our families and our students and meeting the needs of that different type of learner and that different type of family dynamic that, that we have all over our district. I think that what you said that you really um, value always improving and getting better at all times. And that's why I've always appreciated you uh, in Broken Arrow schools and the impact you've made. And I heard a quote this week, you don't have to be bad to get better. And I think you're doing great things there at the virtual Academy, but you're not complacent. You're always looking to get better. And uh, that's, what's impressive. And again, our students will benefit from that. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And when we get together to set our culture in our site and our staff, it is very much a, a conversation that, guys, this is, if you think you're going to have the same job next year, then you need to go find a different job right. because it, it is something that we're going to do things. We're going to fail forward. We're going to do things that might not work. And we might do a lot of work and then say, oh, that's not good and have to shift, right? We have to have that sure. mindset. Say, we learned something through doing those things that didn't work. Right. And, um, and so really building that culture that, and, and it's exciting. Well, thanks for coming on Core Values today to, to talk to us a little bit about that and um, for the information. I mean, I learned, I've worked for the district and, and there were some things that I learned. And for our listeners, they can go online to our website and find more information about it because um, I think you're accepting applications, right? Oh, absolutely. What? And so we always look at the transition and the most successful transition for our students. And so uh, we really tried to do those transitions at those hard stops like semester. And so, yes, we are open arms, wanting to love on some more kiddos um, over in our programs. So remember, virtual at baschools.org is how you can inquire. Uh, we can send you over the orientation. If you want to know what our elementary is about, you can participate in that digital story. So just reach out to us. And Mr. Perry, I think you have a tagline that would work well for uh, the virtual program. The best is yet to come. <laughs> there he is. All right. Love it. Thanks, guys.